horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to bring you a slew of winners and some great guests. Our first guest is going to be Remy Belloc. Now, you probably knew his father before you knew Remy, and you knew him as one name, and that is Peb, the fantastic cartoonist that worked for so many years for the daily racing form. Uh, Remy uh, did pick up some of his dad's artistic ways, but uh, he got into the racing game uh, pretty well. He's a native New Yorker. Uh, he ended up being uh, one of the graduates uh, from the uh, school in Arizona that so many people, including Bob Baffert, have come out of. Uh, he ended up being the executive director and CEO of the National HBPA not sure that's a job I'd want. And uh, right now is the executive director of the equine programming for the Bluegrass Community and Technical College. And uh, you'll know that as the North American Racing Academy, one of our earliest guests ever on this show, Chris McCarron, heads up the academy. So we're going to be talking to uh, Remy about some of the things that are going on in Kentucky and at the school. And if you've got a youngster that is saying, Mom, Dad, I want to be a jockey. Well, we'll give you the contacts because this is the school that you want to go to. Uh, then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have uh, Byron King. Of course, Byron, one of the top handicappers, love his weekend columns uh, and the way he breaks races down. He's been on with us before and has given out some pretty good uh, price horses. Uh, Byron's uh, located in central Kentucky, so we're going to call on him for two Keeneland races. Uh, tomorrow is the Hilliard Lions Double Dog Dare that brought together a really competitive field of uh, fillies and mares. And then uh, Saturday, going to be the last chance for a lot of horses to uh, get a ticket to the dance on the first Saturday in May. It's the Coolmore Lexington Stakes coming up. Interesting question in there is, uh, what's Kenny McPeak up to? He's bringing his filly, Pure Fun, into the race to take on the boys. Sad to say she drew the outside post. Um, not exactly going to be fun for her to overcome that. And then the race that did not qualify for points but sure qualified for cash, the $750,000 Illinois Derby. There's 10 Triple Crown nominees in there. A lot of people are saying this could be the best prep ever for the Preakness Stakes. And then we go to Charlestown, a track we don't go to a whole lot, but, boy, did they draw some nice horses. Um, this is the Charlestown Classic $1.5 million. It brought out Clubhouse Ride, Kiexa Electronica, and most probably the horse to beat, Game on Dude. be interesting to get Byron's read on all four of those races. I'll also review uh, some of the races we did last week with John McDoolin and Mike Battaglia, uh, both of them giving us out uh, exactas. McDoolin, a big one. All right, let's take a look now at the week in review. It looks like uh, we're finally trying to find out, or going to find out, who's riding who in the Kentucky Derby. It's only weeks away. And it looks like uh, Revolutionary, who I think is one of the stronger horses in the field, is picking up a guy that knows his way around the Churchill Downs Oval in one Calvin Borel. 
So uh, he is teaming up with Windstar Farm. As you recall, uh, he did several years ago, 2010, with Windstar with Super Saver and got the job done in the Kentucky Derby. As a matter of fact, Windstar actually pulled their fans through their Windfar stablemates, and uh, they came pretty much came up with Rosie Napravnik and Calvin Burrell. It came down to those two, and so they were happy to get the input from the fans, but uh, obviously Elliot Walden and uh, some of his top people made the final decision. So Calvin gets the call on Revolutionary. Now, Vijak, uh, who uh, suffered his uh, first defeat in the Wood Memorial, turns out he came out of the race with a lung infection, and uh, so he's gone to the Fairhill Equine Therapy Center where he's having regular treatments in their hyperbaric chamber. Uh, they say that uh, he's, he's going to be doing well and that uh, he did bleed, two on a scale of five, and uh, Rudy Rodriguez goes over every day, and uh, he still has light training over there to uh, keep him on his toes. And uh, so hopefully he will, they'll clear up the infection because they do hope to be in the field for the Kentucky Derby. All right, it's getting that close right now. Let's take a look right now at, at the possible fields for the Derby and the Oaks and riders if they have one. Okay, well, in the order of preference, we've got Orb, the Shug McGee trainee. It looks like Joel Rosario will have the call there. Then Verrazano, John Velasquez. Uh, we pray that his recovery is continuing well with his rib and his wrist that he injured last week. He's not going to be back until Derby week. Then we've got Golden Sense, uh, trained, of course, by Doug O'Neill, who trained I'll Have Another. And he's keeping the kid on. Kevin Krieger, last year as Mario Gutierrez. Doug O'Neill likes to stick with his regular riders, so Golden Sense is in there with Kevin Krieger. Then Jabba's War, who put in a huge race last week. We'll talk about that. The Kenny McPeak trainee. Julian Le Paru was up on Saturday, and he has landed his Derby Mountain Javis War last to first in the bluegrass. Then you've got Overanalyze, who was very impressive. It looks like Rafael Barano has landed a Derby Mount for Todd Pletcher. I don't know that he's ever ridden for Todd Pletcher. Uh, again, uh, Revolutionary will have Calvin Burrell up. Uh, then you've got Lines of Battle. Uh, who's going to be shipping in from overseas, and they're not sure what jockey's going to ride him yet. Uh, Vijak, looks like he's going to have Garrett Gomez up. Uh, Will take charge, the D. Wayne Lucas trainee, John Court. John's been on Winning Ponies before, great guy. I'm glad he's going to be in the Derby. And it's, it's my lucky day. Elvis Trujillo will have them out there. Uh, Bob Baffert's Governor Charlie will have Martin Garcia, Black Onyx, a Kelly Breen trainee, is going to have Joe Bravo, guy who I think should be named after a cartoon character. Then you got Palace Malice, who just ran a game second last week. Mike Smith picking up the mountain with him. Normandy Invasion, the Chad Brown trainee, gets Javier Castellano. They were wondering whether or not and it looks like he's not at this point in time. So then Frack Daddy, who a big race last week at Oak Lawn, uh, doesn't have a jockey named yet. My loot looks like Rosie Napravnik's going to be back in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, then Gary Stevens picks up the mount on Oxbow for D. Wayne Lucas. Super 99, a Baffert tradee, does not have a jockey named yet. Falling Sky has Louis Saez. And Charming Kitten, who's on the outside there, is another Pletcher horse. Not sure who's going to ride Charming Kitten if he gets in. So, 
it's going to be very interesting in the, the days ahead to see who actually uh, uh, lands in the Derby and what jockeys get to ride. A quick run down of the Oaks. It looks like uh, Beholder will have Garrett Gomez up, Rose to Gold, Calvin Burrell, Unlimited Budget, Javier Castellano, Dreaming of Julia, Johnny V, Close Hatches, Joel Rosario, Flashy Gray, a Mott trainee, does not have a jock yet, Princess of Silmar, a Pletcher trainee, does not have a jock yet, neither does Fifty Shades of Hay, or Midnight Lucky, or Silcita, who's a Pletcher trainee, Sunning Girl, Bernie Flint, looking for a jock, Pure Fun, Kenny McPeak, looking for a jock. So uh, on the outside, it's Broken Spell, looking for a jock. So it's going to be very interesting to see who's going to land on these Kentucky Oaks horses day before the Derby. Now, if you are planning on going to the Derby, folks, because of uh, the tragedy that happened in Boston, they're tightening up uh, security there. So in addition to items banned for carrying, there's a revised list. So for the Derby and the Oaks, uh, they're no longer going to be allowed coolers in. You can buy styrofoam coolers and ice after you get in. Uh, You can't have camcorders, tripods, or video equipment. You can't have cameras with detachable lenses uh, or equipped with lenses more than six inches in length or tripods of any kind. Uh, Purses must, now tell, you know, the ladies, listen up or tell your girlfriend or wife this, purses must be 12 inches or less in any dimension. I know a lot of the ladies uh, like to have the, uh, the, the, the big pocketbooks. Well, not this year, and of course, Obviously, you know, noise might makers or uh, you can't even bring in uh, laser lights pointers, but uh, we know that. But anyhow, the big pocketbooks and cameras with detachable lenses, uh, that's going to surprise uh, a lot of people. So remember, you cannot bring those things in to the Oaks or the Derby. Quick look overseas. Black Caviar won her 25th straight win in the TJ Stakes at Ranwick. And uh, it looks like uh, she may not be going to Royal Ascot. Uh, They're not sure if she's going to return to England or if uh, she's going to be retired. But 25 straight wins against the top company. Black Caviar certainly has etched her name in racing history all time. Another horse uh, with a lot of history behind him, of course, is Animal Kingdom. And it looks like Arrowfield has set Animal Kingdom's stud fee. it looks like the winner of last month's Dubai World Cup, of course, the Kentucky Derby, and he, he's going to close his career out. They're planning an ascot uh, that his uh, his uh, stud fee will be set at 38500 so about 40000 um, down under. So uh, what's good is he is going to shuttle, so we will be able to uh, – uh, come to America, and people will be able to breed to him here. And uh, hats off to Emilio Flores. He rode his 2,000th winner, basically Penn National jockey. He's 42 years old, a native of Mexico. His horses have earned over $21.7 million, so congratulations to him. All right, let's take a a quick look at last week's races that, that we looked at. And uh, there were some good ones, without a doubt. And we gave out some, some good ones here on Winning Ponies. Let's start with the races that we handicapped. Um, with Mike Battaglia, we take a look at the Madison. And well, we were kind of thinking Holiday for Kitten might be a, one of the tough ones in there. But it was upset time at 37.60. The winner was last full measure. This, 
Mare was 10th and last at the half-mile pole and came up at 17-1 to 1 and grabbed a neck victory. Uh, second was uh, by Rama, remember that name, was totally blocked at the furlong marker and was closing very fast. Third was Jamaican Smoke. Again, that was the result of the Grade 1 Madison. A great day at Keeneland, of course, uh, the Jenny Wiley. Uh, we thought uh, this was Bataglia's best bet, came through, and that was center court, went off the favorite, and it got the job done with Julian Leperu up one easy. The horse, I thought, had the best chance of uh, upsetting center court was Daisy Devine, who tried to go from flag fall to that's all with James Graham up like she did last year. Uh, couldn't get it done. She led most of the way, but center court cost. But believe it or not, with those two horses that were both, I thought, pretty legit contenders, uh, the Exacta paid twenty four sixty. So I hope you were listening and you wrote that one down. Then, of course, uh, the, the Toyota Bluegrass, big race here for Java's War, came from 14th, was 14th after six furlongs in the mile and an eighth race, uh, and just put in a huge effort got up to win by a neck over Palace Malice, who looked like he had it. That's all Pletcher needs is another horse in the derby. This horse will be there. He's got enough points. Um, and uh, he led briefly, but again, Java's War on the outside with Julian Lake Peru up. It's been announced he's going to ride in the derby. Uh, ran second, and then uh, in the third spot at 22-1 to 1 was Charming Kitten. Uh, we went from there out to Oaklawn Park, and I tip of my hat to John McDoolan from the Daily Racing Forum. John uh, came up with overanalyze. He definitely said that that was the horse to beat, but he said the horse that scared him, or the horse that he thought was a real threat to, to, to grab a spot in here at 24 to 1 was Frack Daddy. And it came in overanalyzed, closing very strongly was Kenny McPeak's Frack Daddy, a horse who grabbed a quarter back in the Holy Bull, and obviously that quarter's okay. And coming in third was the lightly raised carve. But if you were listening and you wrote John's pick down, uh, you came home with a $195.40 exacta for only a $2 investment. So it pays to listen to winning ponies. We do give out some winners every now and then, and not to my credit, because I bring in some awful good handicappers every week. Well, uh, bringing in uh, another uh, top person, our first guest, of course, is uh, is going to be uh, Remy Beliak, and we're going to take a little break here on Winning Ponies, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me right now is a gentleman I've wanted to get on the show for quite a while. Uh, I've followed his career. It's uh, kind of an interesting one uh, from uh, the background of being uh, racing's greatest artist son uh, to a gentleman that uh, has actually uh, been competitively on horseback. His, his name is uh, Remy Belloc, and um, he uh, grew up in New York. He graduated from the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program, so many of our guests have. Uh, of course, uh, he himself does uh, dabble in cartoons. I had one of his on uh, my door at work for about five years before they tore the track down. Um, and he's really uh, moved up in the industry. Uh, he was once the executive director and CEO of uh, the National Horseman's Benevolent and Protective Association. I've got to guess that was a job that I'm surprised he's still got hair and hasn't pulled it all out. That had to be an awful tough job. And uh, right now, uh, since October 2011, he's been the executive director of the equine programming for the Bluegrass Community and Technical College. Now, that's the college uh, that operates North America's most successful accredited vocational racing school and home of NARA, or the North American Racing Academy. Of course, we've had uh, Chris McCarron on the show uh, several times. Uh, Chris... Uh, uh, really headed up uh, that part of the show, but since then, obviously, it's grown, and they brought uh, Remy in as the executive uh, director. And Remy, welcome to Winning Ponies. Well, thank you, John. Uh, you're very kind with your your compliments, and uh, uh, I I, uh, I get a kick out of uh, out of the introduction. Um, you know, it's uh, it's great to be on the show. Chris has told me about it, and. Uh, in fact, we were out there this morning with a bunch of the students. Uh, we uh, were anticipating a lot of rain tomorrow, so we worked all the horses, and uh, and I actually got on one of the horses, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun today. So uh, thanks for having me on. Well, before we jump into to, to what you're doing now, what was it like growing up? Where did you grow up, and what was your involvement with horses? Well, I I, uh, I grew up in a racing family, as you mentioned. My dad is, um, as your your listeners might know, is Peb. Um, he's the uh, cartoonist. Uh, was for for fifty years uh, the cartoonist for the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, has kept us laughing for for many years. And and uh, I, I attribute uh, his ability to keep things in perspective as uh, you know my my ability to stay you know in the industry so as long as I have. 
you mentioned I, I worked at the HBPA. I loved working with the horsemen for all those years, uh, about 10, 11 years. Um, as you said, it, sometimes it got a little trying. Uh, we, we dealt with a lot of tough issues, so I just thought back of occasionally just you have to laugh at things and kind of look at the humor side of things, and my dad you know, gave me that uh, great, great ability. Um, my dad's peb. Uh, my older brother Pierre is a trainer and uh, actually has a horse running in uh, California uh, next week. He uh, he he came up under uh, Mike Freeman, who I just read today passed away, which was uh, kind of sad. Uh, my brother was a, a groom for him and assistant trainer for him years back uh, in the early 70s, and uh, and and we're uh, five brothers and sisters. But uh, Pierre, my oldest brother, and I are the ones who kind of got bit by the racing bug early on. Now, uh, I know that you've ridden in amateur races. Were you ever uh, seriously considering being a jockey? Well, yeah, for about for about five minutes until I jumped on a scale. <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, it it happened. It, it occurred to me early on that uh, it, it was going to be a, a struggle. In fact, you mentioned I, I went to the University of Arizona, and that was my first real attempt to see how light I could get, which is a challenge that a lot of riders have to look at or, or prospective riders. And I was able to get from about 140 pounds down to about 122, and that's where it stopped. Uh, the problem was, I, as a kid, I played a lot of soccer and did a lot of long-distance running, and I built up a lot of, you know, muscle weight, you know, in my legs and stuff. And sure. and and I was told early on by by uh, some 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 doctors that you know you you will never get lighter than you know 120. Um, and so um, I accepted that, and uh, I. Pursued my studies, um, and uh, the University of Arizona racetrack program was was a, a godsend because it, it offered me an opportunity to work in racing, and still allowed me to kind of get up in the mornings and 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 get on horses and stay in touch with the horsemen. And eventually, you know, my dad and I formed the Amateur Riders Club of America, which is a group of uh, uh, riders uh, qualified. Gate, we all got our gate okays. We're all very qualified riders, but. We rode at higher weights for for charity uh, as amateur riders, and and that gave me a chance to ride uh, under rules, as they say, uh, uh, with wagering and all that, uh, all around the country and in Europe. Uh, I've been able to ride in races in France, England, Ireland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark. You know, the long list of, of places I was able to ride at um, and, uh, and enjoyed the, the 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 thrill of riding in in, in races. And so I'm trying to pass that along to these young riders at the racing school. Well, before we get to that, I, I just want to let you know, I, I'm one of your dad's biggest fans. As a matter of fact, in college, I was the cartoonist for the University of Dayton. Uh. So I, I have a respect for it. And I would the first thing I would do every year when, when we got our Kentucky Derby issue was take the cover and hide it. <laughs> and then we, and then I'd go ahead and we'd handicap the Derby. But the the, the the cover of the Kentucky Derby issue never went anywhere but but a hidden place in my office. So uh, how he came up with these ideas, he it has to, had to be one of the most uh, creative men in the world because he would find angles, different angles every year on every big race, uh, whether it was the, the Triple Crown Stakes or the Breeders' Cup. He was just phenomenal. And and I have seen uh, your drawings too. So it must have been kind of neat that that he kind of passed that skill along to you too. Yeah, well, you know, we we should forget about horses and racing. Let's talk about cartooning. <laughs> you know, well, I, I want to know what what is that cartoon that you had on your on your uh, uh, door uh, well, that you mentioned at the opening? 
It was the one where a guy was a handicapper and you dissected his brain. <laughs> okay. Um, and the lowest things on the totem on the totem pole were like uh, you know food, uh, right. home, uh, things like that. Right, Everything yeah. else was handicapping and speed figures. I love that one. Well, oh, listen, we I appreciate that. No, it's 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 uh, uh, well, listen. You know, just the other night, I, I do some actually some editorial cartoons for the Lexington Herald Leader. So if you you were drawing for the uh, during college at, in, in Dayton, you probably appreciate that. We have a great cartoonist here in, in, in Lexington, uh, Joel Pett, who allows people to send in drawings. And so I'll send in an editorial cartoon once once in a while, and it's a lot of fun. It's something my father didn't. Everybody knows my dad as a as a as a cartoonist for the racing forum, but. For for ten years at the Philadelphia Inquirer, he was an editorial cartoonist, and he was uh, pretty, you know, at the very top with Paul Conrad and and uh, some of the great editorial cartoonists of the time. He was invited to the White House with by Lyndon Johnson, and and so um, it, it's a it's a, a wonderful outlet. It's a creative outlet that that uh, is very enjoyable. But um, you know, it's uh, it's still my my number one thing is the horses and. Uh, and, and teaching kids how to you know, hopefully uh, be riders or, or assistant trainers or you know productive folks in the in the racing industry. Well, you know that's that's something that I've, I've always emphasized when I've had Chris on, and, and I'll let you talk to it. it and, and that is that uh, with, with the uh, North American Racing Academy, it is not strictly just a program for jockeys. Exactly. Yeah. What, what, we, we've uh, worked real hard the last two and a half years to. Um, Kind of re, uh, raise awareness that that we're we're a uh, a workforce provider. Uh, in my years at the HBPA, one thing I realized real early on is that um, there's a there's a real you know need for for qualified uh, you know um, you know ambitious young workers in the industry. And one of the big problems that that I found. I spent a lot of time in Washington D.C. on on the immigration issues, on the H-2A, H-2B visa uh, pro- problems that a lot of trainers had. Hopefully, that's now we we hope we cross our fingers that's going to be resolved somewhat. But I think what what the U.S. really needs, North America really needs, is a is a, a workforce provider in the racing and breeding industry. And I think that um, our program at, at BCTC. Uh, is is really in a, in a good position to to do that. We we have as many kids who want to be jockeys as who want to become, you know, uh, uh, grooms, assistant trainers, barn foremen, and so on. Uh, and and I think that's that's a valuable uh, thing for for our sport. We are one of the the, the top racing you know uh, industries in the world. And I always wondered back in '03 when Chris and I started speaking about starting this this racing school when he was still riding. I always wondered, you know, why is it that we have the British racing school, uh, we have the French racing school that produces all these great riders, racing schools in Ireland, everywhere else, and we we at, up until that point we didn't have uh, the same thing here in the U.S. Well, you know, I give all the credit to to the KCTCS, the Kentucky Community and Technical College System, uh, BCTC, and of course Chris, who, you know, we we had built the structure for the school, but we needed to have that kind of personality, that person to drive 
the, to raise the awareness. And that was that was Chris McCarron. He you know he came out here, moved out to Kentucky, and since '06 has really kind of you know driven the the the, the program. And I'm just I'm I'm here to kind of keep it going. And and my goal is that, and I said to so to Chris, and he agrees, is that we have to make this school bigger than either he or I. It's got to be something that's a national you know, racing school that uh, will, you know, develop and produce our future, you know, Julien Lepaus or Todd Pletchers or, you know, all the, the great professionals we have in the sport. Well, Remy, uh, I've got about two minutes left in this segment. Of course, this will be on podcast, so I just want to tell my listeners, if you don't have a pen or pencil down, to uh, if you've got an interesting son or daughter that's interested in attending the school on whatever level, uh, tell people exactly uh, how they would get in contact with you and what, what the system would be to, to find out about the program. I, I probably the easiest way will be to just you know if, if you go to uh, uh, BCTC uh, Bluegrass Community and Technical College dot uh, edu and and it'll link you right into the to the main website uh, for for our college and uh, there you'll find the North American Racing Academy. Uh, otherwise, uh, if I can you know uh, give a phone number. Hey, sure, you know, shameless plugs are welcome on Winning Ponies. Go ahead. Okay, well, you know what? If if anybody's interested, call me. All right, I, that's that's the way I like to to do it. Uh, I love to bring you know kids into the program and and, and get them started and all that. Uh, a number to call is eight five nine two two one two nine eight nine. Give me that out one more time. Eight five nine two two one two nine eight nine, and that'll get you right to me. And we'll we'll get you in touch with our uh, our advisors and our uh, we have we have great staff. We have uh, uh, a couple of folks who work with us and who can get kids uh, uh, to, to understand what they need to do as far as the you know enrollment process and everything else. But I I, I really uh, strongly encourage that if if a parent has a kid who wants to get involved in horse racing. Uh, either on the riding side or on the horsemanship side, that uh, we're a great option. Well, luckily, I, I've been in the area, and uh, we're almost like up at River Downs, a feeder school for your program. <laughs> so many of your uh, students have come through. And I'll tell you what, uh, not only have some of them turned out to be pretty darn good riders, but they all come up with uh, a good respect for their sport and, and for the people they work with. So obviously you guys work on, on that end of it, too, and, and my hat's off to you guys. Well, we really appreciate it and uh, appreciate having us on. All right, Remy, well, i got a feeling this won't be the last time. I've probably spent too much time talking about cartoons and not <laughs> enough about horses. But i got your number now, and I'm never shy about calling you back. Okay, John, anytime. All right. Remy Bellock was with us right there. And uh, coming up next, one of my favorite handicappers and people in the sport of kings. He is Byron King, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, as I told you a few minutes ago, uh, really one of the one of the good guys in racing and, and an excellent handicapper. Whenever there's a big race coming up that I know he's covering, I make sure that I go to his column in the Daily Racing form, and uh, more than once he's put some greens in my jeans. Now, he, he, he was Byron King, and if I call him Brian King, it, it's a mistake. He used to be our schoolyard bully at St. John the Baptist and would beat me up all the time. So for some reason that name jumps out at me every right once in a while, but uh, we, we are talking to Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum, who coincidentally actually had a connection to Remy Belloc. Byron, how are we doing? I'm well, John. I'm well. You know, the, uh, that's so funny. Everyone seems to have ties to me and, like, uh, uh, bullying in the backyard. I got, like, the weirdest, you know, the Daily Racing Forum, one of the things we've been doing lately is... Uh, uh, we were tweeting more and more, you know, and we're driving like a lot of social media, you know, we're, we're feeding the, the content out, you know, it's a great way. And I got this tweet from someone in the press that said, hey, I met somebody, someone from New York that says he got in the very first fist fight of his life with you. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I couldn't recall having that many fistfights with anyone other than my brother, you know. So I, I tweeted her back. I said, "Is George Clooney uh, name dropping me again?" Um, but um, <laughs> no, it turned out it was some kid that lived down the block from me when we were eight, and um, I guess he harbored a grudge. But hey, we were eight, you know. So uh, it's no wonder you call me Brian, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> I have all kind. I have quite a reputation. I but I've I've settled down. 
Well, and by the way, before before we move on to our handicapping, I know that also you're involved in youth sports. How's your basketball team doing? Well, you know, my my quest to join the ranks of uh, you know the greats of Rick Pitino and the, you know those I'm still a long way off, but we did have our first winning season this year. You know, we won our first game in double overtime, and uh, I went out and like threw the the kid about a, three feet in the air and gave him a bear hug, and it was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I it, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, that's a blast. I appreciate you for asking, and I know you were giving me tips. I mean, I, I had no idea. For John's listeners that are listening, he's a very humble guy, but he has been everything from a singer for the Bee Gees to uh, a warden at a prison to a basketball coach. Um, Actually, that's all true except the Bee Gees part, but he did look the part uh, back in the day, didn't you? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, listen, we're, we're going to break down some races, uh, yeah, especially since I see you most in the Kentucky area. We're going to do some Keeneland races and then Hawthorne and, and Charlestown. But before we get there, uh, I want to kind of pick your brain. Over the last two weeks, we've got to see some of the big uh, Derby and Oaks preps. Uh, who, who were the one or two horses uh, that, that impressed you the most? Well, um Let's see here. I mean, she's um, dreaming of Julia. How could you not be just awestruck by her performance? Um, that was a thing of beauty in the Gulf Stream Park Oaks. Um, I mean, you want to talk about Todd Pletcher having uh, a loaded gun. Uh, he doesn't, I mean, he's got like a six shooter. He's, he's got uh, so many. I think he has five Kentucky Oaks leading contenders, including unlimited budget who won the fairgrounds race. I mean, you were talking some serious, serious uh, talent. And um, But I do think, and then Baffert's uh, uh, filly that is two for two, um, it has shown nothing but promise. And, and uh, so we have some really good ones there. I think it's really, really good oaks. Um, Derby-wise, you know, I can't say that I, I'm one of them that, I like to take. I don't like to handicap um, in the as much. Uh, although you know, it makes for for good fodder in terms of chatting about it and all that. You know, I've I've found that over the years I've gotten work. It's made a challenge for my derby handicapping because I I end up handicapping it more in conversations with people or in in um, you know just general discussions. Whereas the vast majority of races that we if it's you, me, your fans, you know, we handicap, we're looking at the past performances, you know, and there's all this outside noise from the stories and all that kind of stuff that come in. And I just really need to sit down with the PPs and really kind of get a feel for maybe I'm going to write down about, my strategy will be write down three or four horses and bet the overlays and um, hook them up in exact and that that will be what what my strategy will do. I hate to to, to duck there, but um, that that is my strategy. I don't think with the Derby, uh, you can just settle on one horse because it, it's a very hard race to predict how they're going to bet. Well, I think that the next uh, you know uh, two weeks are, are most important as they do ship in there. Even though I know certain ones like. Doug O'Neill's going to do like he did with I'll Have Another and pretty much stay on the West Coast and ship in late. But I really like to see what horses seem to be 
thriving coming into Derby and Oaks weeks. I like to go down and watch the works and really see who's dappled out, you know, who's on the muscle, who's looking uh, good. Because, as you know, it's not always the best horse that wins the Kentucky Derby. It's the horse that's the best that day. And they, they all peak at different times, and some may have peaked in their prep, and some maybe aren't ready to peak until the Preakness or the Belmont. So I, I really like to wait until Derby week. Everybody likes to see you now and say, okay, what do you like for the Derby? The big preps are over. And it's like, you know, there's really more work to do, and I think we need to look at that. So uh, I'm not committing myself either. But right now, uh, l- let me uh, – Put your feet to the fire on a couple of races. We had some good uh, handicappers last week. Came up with $196 exacta with John McDoolin, uh, who writes for the Midwest uh, section of the racing form. So we'll see how you stand up to the other DRF guys. But uh, Wow, uh, putting the pressure on me. I shouldn't have teased about the Bee Gees. I'm sorry. Forget, <laughs> forgive me. I can't that. help it. It was, you know, it was the 70s, was and that's what time. I looked like. I, I can't help it. You know? But uh, the... the uh, the uh, the double dog dare tomorrow. It's a Grade Three mile in the sixteenth uh, down at Keeneland. Uh, I'm not sure what the weather is going to be like. Shouldn't matter. This is going to be uh, on, on the on the poly track. But you got to got some really interesting horses. Horses that have some back history, like Inglorious, who was the 2011 uh, Queen's Plate winner. Uh, then you've got the you know, Mystical Star, who absolutely loves Keeneland, and I thought had a real nice tightener uh, in the Hillsboro at, at Tampa. A uh, lot of loving, had a big wake-up call in the likely exchange last time. You got a mystery horse with Michael Matz. Uh, where are you kind of looking? I always like to get get your uh, read on a race like this. Well, uh, you know, full disclosure with with lot of loving, I'm, I'm the racing manager for for William Butler, uh, who owns the horse. So uh, take that with a with a grain of salt. I I, I think she um, uh, she. Um, she, she's gonna. She's such a good poly horse, but she loves um, Turfway. So I think that um, you know she's gonna have to step up her game. Uh, I would certainly be delighted for Mr. Butler and for Rod Eleven if she could, she could get it done here. Um, but at the same time, you know, her two runs, which of course were in graded races previously, there were a little um, less than her Turfway runs. But I think that had as much to do with the company as with the track surface. But Mystical Star, in my opinion, is the class of the race. I mean, she she was a grade two winner last year. She showed a liking for the Keeneland track with a second in the Spinster. She was very wide that day, uh, raced against some good uh, fillies. Uh, she has one start already this year. Uh, it was a good effort in the Hillsboro, and I think she's clearly the most probable winner. Uh, whether or not she sticks to her 5-2 to two morning line, I'd be a little surprised there. I think you will see Inglorious as the second choice, but I'm a little cautious, and it's pretty amazing because she won the Canadian equivalent of the, the Derby, or at least for them up there, for Ontario Bread. She beat the boys in the, in the Queen's Plate. Uh, and that was June of 2011, and here we are two years later, and she has not yet won. Now, granted, she's been raced sparingly and has run well, but just hasn't won. But um, I think she's obviously a good candidate to hit the board, but um, I would be surprised if she's on, on par with Mystical Star, or for that matter, if any of these are. I think um, it's going to be a race where Mystical Star is going to win unless she just goes off form. Yeah, I really think between her, her – uh 
fondness for Keeneland and, and, and that tightener, of course, uh, Christopher Clement, uh, no stranger to the winner's circle down there. I, I think the race probably has to go through her. Well, then we go to the Coolmore Lexington, and I'll tell you what, you've got to admit, a guy that all of a sudden at the right time of the year is getting on a roll is Kenny McPeak. He's kind of rolling the dice here, uh, perhaps to try to get the Philly pure fun into the Oaks with points because you can transfer points, uh, a Philly can, from a, uh, from a boys' race. Uh, problem is she drew the outside post. Uh, d- does that, you know, hurt her chances in here? Or I just kind of want to get your feeling. I mean, you've got uh, some interesting uh, jockey changes here. And uh, give me a read on this race. Uh, pure fun just seems the, the question mark. I respect her, but I think she's a bet against. Uh, she's seven to two on the morning line. Her return in the Bourbonette was um, just mediocre. You know, a, a third place finish. She made a run, but just kind of mediocre. Uh, was apparently a little sick after that, and um, she was kind of behind the eight ball in terms of her training. Uh, to get her ready after she won the Hollywood Starlet. And, you know, now she's taking on the boys and it's got the outside post. And uh, I think because of, you know, the Zenyattas and the Rachel Alexanders of the world uh, in recent years, there's become a real love affair with people wanting to bet and root for the Philly against the boys. And that's all well and good, but I do think that will cause her to be a lower price than she probably should be. I like a long shot in there, and I, I really do a lot. And that is I always respect River Rocks. long shots. Let me hear this. And River Rocks is a very speedy horse, and uh, he ran a race last time out where he got pushed into 23, 46-3, really demanding splits by two different horses. And he opened up, and then fought on real bravely uh, to lose by half length. The horse that beat him came back and ran a fine second in a, in a stakes race at Oakland. And I just think this horse is kind of sneaky good. Um, he's owned by a guy named, in part by James Cavello, who buys a lot of horses privately and does very well with them. Um, he, you know, he also has Falling Sky, who's on the Derby Trail. Right. Um, it's a pre- he's a pretty sharp fellow. Now, this isn't the horse that kind of fits the, the poly profile that so many people like of, you know, past synthetic success or, or um, you know, moving from turf to poly, but... You know, this meet, uh, I was looking up, and Keeneland, by the way, I have to give them lots of credit. For for handicappers, definitely check out the Keeneland website in addition to DRF.com. But, uh, you know, they have a polycapping database. And it it was amazing. I think this was not counting today being uh, Thursday when we're recording this. uh, But um, up to this point, there had been 28 winners uh, that had come from off the dirt on the poly, which was, you know, more than turf and more than all weather. So, you know, there's no rule that says you can't come off a dirt race and win. So um, uh, we'll see if River Rocks can maybe steal it. I'm kind of thinking maybe she can try what Emollient did uh, to win the Ashland, go out there and uh, open up and maybe steal it. Um, yeah, one thing I, I found interesting is that uh, Garrett Gomez had had the mount on Pure Fun, and he's jumping to this Eximen for Tom Proctor. Do you know anything? I mean, was that his decision, or did uh, Kenny decide that uh, Rosie's riding hot and he's going to put Rosie up? I really don't know what that's about. It, it, it possibly could be uh, that Gomez, and I'm not 
uh, you forgive me for not having everything in line, but maybe he's already got um, a Kentucky Oaks mount. Um, that may be um, a situation there. Um, you know, one thing I learned long ago was a handicapper, and it's all fine if, if there are certain jockeys that you like and, and things, but a lot of times there's so much things that go into a decision uh, for what jockey rides what horse. Well, and um, by the way, without all the information, it's a very tough thing to say. Uh, people tend to think, oh, he's choosing this. Well, a lot of times it's the agent that's choosing. And, you know, a lot of times also it will depend on, okay, how much business does he get from a particular bar? Is it, does he get more business from Tom Proctor than he does from Kenny McPeak? Does he, um, you know, uh, who who did he give the call to first? You know, Pure Fun, I think, was somewhat of a late addition to this race, maybe within the last 10 days or so. I mean, maybe yeah. this horse was on the agenda for this uh, race, uh, headed on his agenda for... Um, you know, for the last month or so, you know. So uh, there are just too many variables to, to know. And, and and without chatting with everybody involved, uh, you really wouldn't know. Well, again, that that's excellent perspective, and I think that's why we have guys like you on this show, uh, because it makes the, the listeners think about those, uh, those, those things. And to answer your question, and this makes perfect sense, he's riding Beholder in, in the uh, Oaks. And I'm sure at this point in time, he probably doesn't want to change that mount uh, for pure fun, uh, especially since he's more likely in the future to be riding for uh, Richard Mandela than than Kenny. So that does add up to make sense. Well, there you go. Well, that's that's why you are the host of the program, because you can remember that, and I could not remember. I was thinking he definitely had a good mount, but I could not remember who it was. And that, of course, if you have the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies winner you're riding back who's had a, a great year thus far, you don't give that one up. No, you don't. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's just move right along uh, to uh, to the Illinois Derby, if we can. Obviously, uh, this race has been a hot topic in that uh, it was not, for what most perceive, political reasons uh, included in the point system. And it seems as if to say, okay, we're not. Well, we're going to make ourselves the biggest prep for the Preakness stakes there's ever been. We're going to add to the pot and put $750,000 uh, to try to draw some, some top horses into this race that, for whatever reason, maybe they got out of the gate a little bit slow as three-year-olds and didn't accumulate enough points to get in the Derby. But there's nothing wrong with $750,000. Uh, the Illinois Derby, it's a grade three. They'll be going a mile and an eighth. Uh, it looks to me like the stronger horses here, I mean, 10 of these horses were nominated the Triple Crown. Certainly, they filled the gate. They got 14 going, and it looks like the tougher horses didn't draw the best posts. It looked like they land a little bit more towards the outside. Now, let you figure out who they are in my mind. Yes, it, it, it's a race that I think posts will play a role. Um, it, it is a race, in fact, that influenced my decision and my choice. Uh, the favorite is um, departing, breaking from post 13, who's 7-2, to two, and if he's 7-2 to two at post time, I would bet him despite being post 13, but he is not going to be 7-2. to two. He will go much shorter than that. Uh, this horse was nine to two in the Louisiana Derby, and this is not the Louisiana Derby. So um, you know, I am going to try to beat him. However, he's breaking from post thirteen, and being a stalker, 
you know, a lot of times if if you've got a bad post, if you're a front runner, you can clear some traffic. If you're a deep closer, well, you just fall back anyway. I just kind of think the kind of stalker kind of gets the worst trip because he he can't really clear them and he can't really take back. So um, I'm going to take uh, use that as reason enough to try to take a stand against him, and I'm going to take ground transport, the five horse, who broke from actually post 13 um, in the Louisiana Derby and was fifth. And I um, watched the replay of the race, and he didn't have as tough a trip as some horses did in there. There was a number of them that had some really brutal trouble. But what I liked about him is he showed uh, quick braking ability, a lot of natural speed on his own to gain position. Uh, he settled into fourth. He made a nice room, uh, move on the turn four wide when Revolutionary was making his move um, in route to, to winning the race. And uh, then he faded to fifth late. Uh, but not a bad race at all. Came back with a nice work at Keeneland. And what I find interesting about that is, okay, he's working at Keeneland. You have a really smart trainer in Mike Stidham who runs a lot of Keeneland, and he's shipping him up the road to Hawthorne, which I'm taking as a, a sign of confidence. You know, they're they're swinging for the fences to um, to go for the big money, and I think that's a good uh, a good um, angle there. Uh, so this horse is a two-time winner going a route of ground at the fairgrounds, so you know he can run long. I think he's going to get a good trip. Um, whether he's good enough, I guess we'll find out. But, you know, he was less than two lengths behind departing last time, and I, I, I'd i rather have post five than 13. So um, ground transport at eight to one, hopefully he'll stick somewhere close to that if if I'm correct in, in departing getting bet down. And with that said, he's going to be on my ticket. Uh, probably with departing, I like the fact that uh, he's getting first Lasix. That could help him. Don't like the post. Love Brian Hernandez. And I think my third horse in there might be Siete Oros or Show Some Magic. But uh, my producer, D, is looking at me through the window going, John, you got two minutes, so you better find out who Byron likes in the $1.5 million Charlestown Classic. Hard to believe for that kind of money. They only drew a field of seven, but it's a pretty interesting field. Uh, you've got uh, KXA Electronica, uh, who won this race in, in 2012. Uh, Ron the Greek speaks for himself with $1.8 million in the bank, but obviously the horse everybody's going to be watching is Game On Dude and Mike Smith. Yes, and uh, there are some very good horses, and I think that the reason it's not an overflow field is game on dude. I think he is, he's been spectacular this year, and I, I think the only reason you could bet against him would be you figure, well, maybe he doesn't handle the bull ring. It's very tight turns at Charlestown for those people that are unfamiliar with it. It's probably five-eighths or six furlongs, something like that in circumference, but very tight turns. Uh, but usually... Speedy, forwardly placed horses are, are well suited to those, and he's got that. He's got a good post with a short run to the first turn. I, I wish I could come up with a creative selection, but I think Game On Dude just lays over them. Well, he's 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 four to five in the morning line. You don't see that all the time. And uh, speaking of time, I'm running out of it. But uh, speaking of odds on, you are odds on one of my favorite handicappers and personalities to have on Winning Ponies, uh, Byron King. And I thank you very much for for spending time with us. And I I look forward to seeing you Derby Week. 
Well, John, you're always a pleasure to chat with, and I, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, me cutting up with you a little bit uh, here before we talked horses. <laughs> Absolutely. Another reason why I love having you on. Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. You can read him every week, and as you can see, every now and then, he likes to give you a price horse. He doesn't always go with the favorite. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in to Winning Ponies. Uh, thanks for uh, Remy Bellock being on the program with us, and we hope that uh, if uh, you'll tell you your friends this race is on podcast or the show is on podcast if they missed it tell them to tune in and remember if you bring a friend to the track always practice safe bets thanks for listening to winning ponies with john Engelhart. we know the information from today's show will help you at the next post keep listening for more next thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports network <laughs>